You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with the heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Gracious Father, um, uh, be with us now. Take this time and make it yours. And I do pray that your word, living and active as it is, uh, like rain falling on the parched ground, uh, so that it would bring forth uh, uh, sprout and and fruit, uh, that your word also would go forth and not return to you empty, but would do that which is purposed, uh, that for which it is purposed. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, so, uh, that you may believe, um, uh, certainly the theme hitting more than any other, is this idea of belief, which is a, a verb. Go down and get to grammar again. Uh, to believe, a verb, uh, but belief is a noun, uh, and then the word faith, which is a word that we use in a lot of different contexts, and it means something different in some ways out there. Uh, last few years, you can go and at home and other places like that and just buy lots of things that say faith on them, it seems. You know, it's just like a wall decoration. It's just faith. Um, and that's not bad. I certainly have a problem with that, but I'm not sure that's what it means when we talk about it, to be justified by grace through faith, or these other words about faith and what it means to have faith. Um, And that's what this series really has kind of become, It's just to really pluck that one string and have this sense that you may believe, that you may be given the gift of faith, that faith may happen to you, that you may be faithed. Now put that noun into verb form. That you may be faithed, that you may be salvationed, is another way we might say that. Um, when we talk about that you may be saved, that you might believe and be saved, uh, to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, to be saved by the Lord Jesus Christ, that you would be salvationed. And all this is to say that there would be something that's external to you that would then come to you and it would happen. Uh, that, as somebody said, I was listening to something else this week, because uh, all this has to do with our hearts, of course, that our heart of stone would be replaced with the heart of flesh and that uh, uh, the old would be replaced by the new, that the old would be gone and the new would come, uh, that when we look into our hearts in our fleshly selves, in our old atoms, as it were, uh, in our carnal selves, all these different ways that the Bible will speak of this, when we look inside of our hearts, Outside of this external word, which does something like rain on the parched ground, we find sin and cholesterol. And I thought that was really funny. I just wanted to sort of work that into this thing. Um, you know, as I'm getting to the age where, yeah, the HDL counts up a little bit and, you know, that sort of stuff. Uh, but we find um, when we look inside of ourselves, uh, we find ourselves wanting. But when something happens outside of ourselves, we find ourselves delivered. And we find ourselves moved from point A to point B in the graciousness of God who brings us belief and faith. And as he says in John 14, um, we'll look at this in a little bit, uh, after he contrasts his own heart, where in John 13 he says, my spirit is troubled, my heart is troubled, um, where he knows what this hour means. He's here at the last two days of his life and he's about to go out to the Garden of Gethsemane. He knows that's coming, whereas Luke would define, uh, would give us the added detail that as he prays to the Father, let this cup pass from me. And he was in such 
angst, that he was in such turmoil that he sweated blood. That's what he's speaking of when he says, my spirit, my heart is troubled. And then he turns to those who are gathered around him. Now it's the eleven, because Judas has gone out to do that which he's given to do. And he says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Um, the great words that still echo in our burial services. Um, uh, for in my Father's house there are many rooms, um, and I go to prepare a place for you. Why would I tell you if it were not so? Uh, and it's this word, believe. Here we are again, that you may believe with this gift of faith. For faith cometh by hearing, uh, and hearing the very words of God. And that faith is a gift so that no man may boast. We don't generate faith. We don't. It's not a cognitive act where we weigh... Uh, and I'm not saying check your brain at the door by any means, but it's not, um, it's not something we do. It's not an intrinsic work. For again, when I look inside my heart, I find sin and cholesterol. But when the Lord comes in and says it's a new heart that I want you to have, here's the image of here. Believe. The gift of faith. The gift of belief. Be salvation. Allow this to now go and sink in your heart of stone and let it become a heart of flesh upon which is written my name. Um, Believe in God. Believe also in me. For I'm going away. But it's for your benefit. Because if I go away then I will send another. A parakaleo. um, Which is a big fancy word. It's a paraclete. um, One who is called alongside of another. We translate this word a lot of different ways. A helper, a counselor, a comforter, Uh, All these are words for the Holy Spirit, and it's the old word for comforter that I like, strengthener, comfortus, where the word fort, like, you know, we sort of, there's my Latin, Um, uh, uh, a strengthener, because we need that in our members, for without the Holy Spirit, without the strengthener, who the Lord has gone away to send to us, we're, we're a valley of dry bones scattered without any uh, animation whatsoever, without any life whatsoever. We're dead in our trespasses and sins. But now, as the wind blows, here we are, given belief. Believe in God. Believe also in me. It's going to be okay. Let not your hearts be troubled. And couldn't you use a little not trouble in your life right now? I don't know where you are, but it's always good news for me to have the gift of peace. Now you may have life and have it in abundance. Be at peace. Um, Let not your hearts be troubled. Um, For I have come that you would have joy and have uh, your joy be complete, finished, full, all the way through to the end. So all that's just a big old-fashioned introduction. Um, And here's some some visuals that we've been using throughout. I didn't intend all this, but there's been two. Um, This one and... That, nope, oh, we'll get to the other one. I didn't know where it was. Um, the Eisenheim altarpiece um, in Eisenheim, France, um, that we've been looking at with John the Baptist and his long bony finger and just trying to find all sorts of different ways to say the same thing. And John the Baptist, who he says again in John, John 3.30, I must decrease so that he may increase with his long finger pointing to the to the oversized Christ so that he's increasing in sight and so that Mary and others are all getting smaller and smaller and smaller. But his finger disproportionately long to the rest of his body, the long bony finger, so that it points and says, I exist only because of him. 
He increases as I decrease. Um, and it's because I resolve to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified for me. That this word of, of, uh, of God letting himself be known, God preaching himself, as it's sometimes called, uh, for we do not know God left to ourselves. Uh, God must be made known. No one has ever seen God. Remember all the way back at the beginning of John 1, made some way the audacious claim that if there is a, a, a key, a hermeneutical key, an interpretive key for the whole of the, 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 the Bible, the whole of Scripture, John 1 would be a good exhibit A. Uh, no one has ever seen God, John 1.18 Jesus Christ, the only God, or Jesus Christ, the only begotten of the Father, or Jesus Christ, um, the one who is at the Father's side. There's different ways of translating that complicated text. Um, He has made him known. And now there's the definitive act in human history, which now says, Jesus Christ, the only God, the one who is at the Father's side, in the bosom of the Father, sometimes called, he has made him known. Now, why has he made it known? So that you may believe. So that now, because of this decisive act, this moment in history, uh, uh, we may be given the gift of faith, the gift of salvation, the gift of belief, that we may, our hearts may not be troubled and we have joy and peace. And we looked last week um, when the Greeks came to Philip and said, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. And a few verses down, Jesus answered, The hour has come. Now, again, in this decisive piece of human history, the hour has come and is now here for the Son of Man to be glorified with this play on words that John has with glory and glorification to be made known, to be visible, to be the visible expression of the invisible God, as Paul would also say in Colossians. And so we've been looking at that and seeing, and that's like this quote, so I threw it in there, that Christ was crucified not between two candles on an altar, but between two thieves at the place of the skull. This dirty, ugly, forsaken place on a place of the skull. It's a dirty name for a location. That's what Golgotha meant. Um, and it was not pretty. It was not good. We call it Good Friday, but all intents and purposes, you look at it and you say, this is not good. Um, but God would say, what you see, uh, uh, you see only on the surface, but the purposes for which I came, there's something much more significant. Um, so this is all just way of themes, and then we're also seeing this uh, this piece out of the out of Weimar, Weimar Germany, where Lucas Cranach, the elder and the younger, the father and son team, as the father started it and he died, and the son picked it up and finished it. Just other ways of Jesus revealing himself, preaching God, preaching himself, so that he would be known, so that as the hour has come and is now here you may believe. And Jesus said to them, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Uh, And he's saying that very clearly, anticipating his cross, anticipating his death. Where, I want to work in John 14, because we're about to go to John 15, and look at an Elton John piece, by the way. So you have that to look forward to. Um, uh, I am the way and the truth and the life. I think, I'm I'm making this up, some other people that I've read uh, agree, where it's not, Jesus isn't necessarily, it's not wrong to think, but he's not saying, I'm these three distinct categories. There's another way to hear it. It says, I am the way, as I am the truth and the life. 
as I am the embodiment of truth and the embodiment of life, I am the way. And there's this echo where he's saying, uh, and this is going to set us up to John 15, where he calls himself the vine. I am the vine. My father is the vine dresser. Um, I am the vine. You are the branches. Where he talks about this dependence. One of the, uh, the strong metaphors for Israel um, was the vine of God that as Israel came, was delivered through the Exodus out of Egypt, especially Psalm 80 and then some parts in Isaiah would describe Israel as the vine of God. And now Jesus is saying, I am the true vine. I am the true Israel. I am the Israel of God who has now come and that you can be connected to me, the true vine, the true Israel of God as a branch. You'll be dependent upon me as I am dependent upon the Father. There's this echo here as well, where here on his cross, we're still right here, I am the way. Because it would be very commonly known or understood to have this idea that that the Torah of God, the teaching or the instruction of God, we sometimes call the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, where the law is given, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, and Numbers, not in that order, um, that that's the Torah or the Torah of God, the instruction of God, and the way of Torah is the way of God. And it's like he's saying, I am the true Israel. He's now saying, I am the true way. I am the way because I am truth and I am life. It's not no it's no longer Torah, which is the way, because it is also true and life. That is the way into death. The ministry of condemnation, Paul would call it. Um, the law, the Torah of God. Not, not that it's bad. It's good, right, and holy. It has its place. It crushes the old heart, the heart of stone, so that you may believe. Let not your hearts be troubled, because your old hearts, they're going to be troubled. They're full of sin and cholesterol and trouble and not peace and anxiety and, and not joy. And he said, here, have joy, have peace, have no trouble, have life inhabit in abundance. Um, All these are what you would call Johannine themes. We're staying very much in John, but they're not limited to John. It's also the whole of Scripture. I am the way as I am the truth and the life. The old way has gone. The way of Torah. I am the embodiment of Torah just like I am the true Israel of God. I am the vine of God. So let's turn into that. And if you have a Bible, we'll go... Gosh, that's really good, too. Um, But no, we'll do that maybe next week. Um, uh, So here's a good piece. I like this one. Um, I'll pass this out if you take one and pass it around. Make sure I keep one. Um, uh, John 15, very well-known passage of Scripture to to, to many of us. just to, and this is the, the hymn from Henry, Henry Light, a Scottish Anglican, um, I think 1847 it was written, just before he died. Um, we'll look at that because abide with me, um, with this word abide, uh, which is just a beautiful word. It's one of the great biblical words. If you want to learn a little Greek word, meno is a good one to, to pick up on. On the back side of that, that's what that is. It's a very John word I think I put up at the top. There's a few times in Mark and a few times in Matthew that it's listed, but it's like, what does it say, 26 or 36 times in John, this word, um, which sometimes called remain or endure 
or stay. It's this sense of abide, which isn't a word we use much, which is why I like it, because it, you can sort of dress it in the way that uh, you can create its connotation. Linger. Remain unhurriedly. Don't get... Um, don't, don't, don't move along, but let it dwell and take root and bloom. Abide in me and I in you. Abide in my word. Well, we can go back. That's what this said um, earlier in John 8. Um, great word. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. So what is it to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? One who abides in his word. Um, how do we abide in his word? Well, that's what we're going to hear because it's a passive sense. We don't do anything to abide in his word. As a branch abides in the vine, the branch isn't sort of saying like, got to stay here, can't move, can't just, you know, it's just, it just is. It happens. The sense of, of an external word doing its work, which keeps us abiding in the vine is going to be the same sense that if you abide in my word, as you abide in my word, you are my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And this is that place in this larger piece where the blood splurting out of Jesus' side just doesn't get old, and it lands squarely. This is Lucas Cranick, the artist, um, or the father of the artist, the one who finished it. And it's representative of this is for you. This very personal, this very earthy, this very bloody forwardness. This is for you that it lands squarely on here. If you abide in my word and the word made flesh and was crucified for you, for your sins and delivered for your justification. And it lands squarely on his head. Also in John 15, we're about to go. You are already clean. Um, uh, because of the word that I have spoken to you. I'm hoping to get all these echoes. You can see this weave or this tapestry that's being formed where there's a, um, a passiveness that is very present in the word abide. Um, to abide in the vine is similar to suffer the work of God, to receive the word of God. And that's what this uh, sculptor, um, uh, Tony Zenz is his name, uh, I think this is in Essen, Germany. I haven't seen it. It's just in a book that I like, and I've always liked it, where it's called The Listener, where it's the sense, and it's very Lutheran, who once said that the uh, the chief organ of a Christian is the ear, um, that to be a human being is to be a hearer or to be a listener. And to go back to John the Baptist's long finger, which said, I exist because of him. I exist only because of, of Christ and him crucified. We exist only because we hear the word of God and are brought forth into being by it, especially as Christians. For faith, belief comes by hearing and hearing through the words of Christ. John 10, 17, I think that is. I'm sorry, Romans 10. Uh, this oversized ear where it's all sort of cupped and going in there, this receptive life, this abiding in the word. And if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. That the, the, the organ of the ear is the Christian. The one who hears is the one who receives the word of God. God must preach himself. And how will they believe if, they don't, if there's not a preacher? Again, John, I'm sorry, Romans 10. All this is tied up in this great visual illustration of, of, uh, of the listener.
that we're given to hear and to listen and to have the word do the work as it falls on our ear and changes our heart of stone to hearts of flesh. Um, So with that, let's read um, John 15. I'm going to say a little bit about the word abide and then we'll we'll, uh, uh, read a little bit of the hymn, Press for Time. And then Elton John sang, Abide With Me. I have no idea of the context, but in 1997, he comes out. And it's just a little bit different, a way of hearing an old tune. Um, it's probably one that a lot of us will have sung at our funerals as we've heard it there. And it's not just a, it's not just a funeral song, um, but it's certainly a good one, uh, this idea of abiding, of unhurriedly dwelling and remaining. Um, uh, abide comes all over the place. Abide With Me comes out of Luke 24, where in the King James, uh, on the walk to Emmaus, on the road to Emmaus, as Jesus is walking with two disciples, two unnamed disciples, after his resurrection, uh, and they don't recognize him. Uh, It's a great line. It says, and he acted as if he was going to continue. And they said, no, no, abide with us, for fast falls the eventide, for evening is fast at hand. And he went in and he broke bread with them. And as he was breaking the bread, he was made known to them. And then he went away. <laughs> and it's like, what? What are you talking about? But it's just one of these post-resurrection appearances. And that's where this, this sense of abide. No, abide with us. Stay here. Please don't hurry. Linger. Be here with us. For you've opened the scripture to us so that we could see how all of the law and the prophets pointed to the one who was crucified for us. So that's the word abide. All these great places in the scripture. John 15, familiar words, I hope. Let's read 1 through 11. I am the true vine. So I won't go into it further, but there's the distinction between Israel is the vine, and now he's saying, I am the true vine. Um, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser or gardener. Um, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide and clean. Um, Already you are clean. Gosh, there's a lot to say. Uh, You can clean up a rose bush. You can clean up a grape. All this is about grapes for making wine. Um, To cleanse it or to prune it, the same word, the same word we have is catharsios, where it's like cathartic, where there's this cleaning, the sense of a cathartic act as a cleansing act. It's this play on words between pruning and cleaning. And so it's, you know, you are already clean. You're already pruned. You're already cleansed, washed in the water uh, of the word, as, as Paul says in Ephesians 5. So there's all that's in the background. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. And so prove to me my disciples. Um, We'll stop there. Uh, So abiding, linger, don't hurry. 
there's this sense of a double dependency, maybe even like a double and a half, if I can make up a phrase, dependency, where as Jesus is dependent upon his Father, um, and the half is also, his Father is both the vine dresser or the gardener who prunes and cleanses the bush so that it would bear fruit, so that it would be purposeful. Um, but also as Jesus is dependent as the vine upon the Father, the Creator Father, who sends rain in season and, and prepares the soil, the nutrients and all the, the temperature and everything else that needs to happen. As Jesus remains absolutely dependent upon the Father, so we remain absolutely dependent upon Jesus, the vine. We are the branches dependent upon the vine as the vine is dependent upon the soil and the gardener and the sunlight and the water and the rain. And there's this place of, where did I have it? Let me read Isaiah 55, which is right there. Um, oh, can't know my notes. I know I wrote it down somewhere. Um, for as the rain, this is Isaiah 55, 10 and 11. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. As rain is delivered unto the earth, not so the rain would return back, but she would go into the earth so the earth would bear fruit. Uh, so also Jesus as the vine remains dependent upon the Father to send the rain, the nutrients, the soil, so that we as dependent upon the, 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 the trunk or the vine itself as branches would also remain in that, that place of abiding dependence. Um, and so here's the hymn, Abide With Me, which wants to really emphasize this same sense of dependence. And on the back side, you can just take this home. Just some other instances where that word abide shows up in John, but also in, in 1 Peter, as the grass withered and the flower falls, but the word of God remains or abides forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. Um, it's a great word if you're interested in doing a little bit of word work throughout the scriptures. Henry Light um, Two ways, and I read about this this week. I didn't know this before. Uh, but possibly he first had this idea when a friend of his, a close friend of his, died. This is like 1820, 1830. Uh, and he had maybe the, the genesis of this great hymn that's now been carried over through the ages to his last 150, 200 years, where he, he encouraged his friend, abide with Christ, go be with him, um, uh, tarry not. Uh, uh, for, for you will be with him and you shall dwell in his house forever. Just this word of encouragement to a dying man on his deathbed. And then years later, um, as the story goes, uh, he wrote this probably just a couple of months before his own death in poor health uh, as an older man in 1847. Uh, and the first time it was sung, it was at his funeral. Um, and so it's not just a funeral song, but it certainly speaks of the Christian's life dependent upon this double dependency upon the Son who himself is dependent upon the Father. And so just some of the verses that we hear, and then we'll listen to Elton John sing it, which I think is just a little bit different, which helps you hear a familiar tune just a little bit differently, and hopefully the word will sink into our ears. Abide with me, coming out of, remember, Luke 24. Abide with us, for the evening comes fast. Abide with me. Fast falls the eventide. This is our prayer to our Father. 
The darkness deepens. Lord, with me abide. When other helpers fail and comforts flee, help of the helpless, oh, abide with me. Swift to its close ebbs out life's little day. Earth's joys grow dim. Its glories pass away. Change and decay in all around I see. O thou whose changes not, abide with me. Not a brief glance I beg, a passing word. But as thou dwellest with thy disciples, Lord, familiar, condescending, which means coming down and dwelling, patient, free, come not to sojourn, but to pass through, but abide with me. Come not in terror as the King of kings, but kind and good with healing in thy wings. Tears for all woes, a heart for every plea. Come, friend of sinners, thus abide with me. Second to last verse and the last one. I have no foe with thee at hand to bless. Ills have no weight and tears no bitterness. Where is death's sting? Where grave thy victory? I triumph still if thou abide with me. Hold thou thy cross before my closing eyes. Shine forth the gloom and point me to the skies. Heaven's morning breaks and earth vain shadows flee. In life, in death, O Lord, abide with me. So, we'll close this out. A little four-minute version of Elton John. Of all people. This is right when Diana was dying, or she just died. When did she die? It's 96? 97. So I don't know if it was right before, right after, but he had something going on here. Maybe this was part of it. What's that? It, it could have. It was around. It obviously isn't her funeral, um, but it was... Because it's a like a benefit concert, but but inspire. He's in that he's in that mind. You can tell. Um. Just cheesy enough to be really effective, actually. So I mean. Yeah.
So let us pray. I shall go. Um, Lord, in life and in death, uh, abide with us. Um, tarry not. Uh, but, uh, do not hurry and sojourn, uh, but dwell among us. Um, draw us to you uh, so that we would believe, so that we would have faith, so that we would be salvation by you as a, uh, a branch apart from the vine withers and dies. We can do nothing without you, but uh, abiding in you, Lord, we can do all things. Um, endure all things, hope all things, and believe all things. Uh, be with us, Lord, and as you are for us, and strengthen us this week. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.